All right. Well, let's pray together. Father, thank you. As I was sitting there um, just listening uh, to all that uh, is happening here at the well, Lord, uh, I rejoice in that. I rejoice in that. I rejoice that we truly can be doing life together and, and loving you and loving each other. And uh, we can laugh. We can cry. Um, Lord, just thank you. Thank you for all of that. And, and Lord, as we now um, turn our attention to your word, I ask once again that uh, it's only you can do through the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would bring the understanding and the application and ultimately then the transformation. Uh, Father, you say that your church is the pillar and foundation of truth. And so, Father, uh, help me to be clear. Help me to rightly divide your word. And then I trust you that you are faithful to accomplish what you need to accomplish individually and corporately uh, through the preaching of your word. So, So we love you. We love your word. And give this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, this year we've been kind of a theme verse for us individually and as a church is Colossians 3. Put it back up there. It's been a few weeks since we've looked at it. It says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above not on things that are on the earth. And so this idea of seeking and setting, this, this really command to seek and set individually and corporately has been a theme first two months of the year, kind of get us going. And uh, we've looked at it individually in January, February. We looked at it as a church. What does it mean to seek and set our minds on things above as a church, right? And, and as I was thinking about that, it's one of those verses that I think... Um, Honestly, easier said than done at certain times in life, right? And then I was thinking of this verse in terms of doing life together and together doing life because uh, in Hebrews 10, it says, hey, don't forsake the gathering. And in fact, when you do gather, encourage one another to love and good deeds, right? And so even in the seeking and setting, there's a we component to that a very important we component sure we might have our private uh, you know private devotional time and our prayer time and all of our individual things um, but what's inescapable because the church is made up of who the people right that quite frankly we need each other to stay on track amen we need each other to help one another, not in a condemning what's wrong with you kind of way, but in an encouraging, let me come alongside you kind of way, to, to seek and set our minds on things above. How many of you honestly tend to get distracted fairly easily? Right? And it's always just nice if, if you're at a place to allow someone or someone's in to help you keep the main things the main things. And in the context of this verse, to help you, to help me seek and set my minds on things above and to keep them there through the ups and downs of life. And, and this morning we're going to look through a, a, very, a familiar psalm, Psalm 46, which I believe is going to help us even to do this better, to seek and set our minds on things above. And so we're going we're gonna to do this uh, in a kind of a different way. The verses eventually will come up. But if you have your Bibles and if you want to go ahead and grab one underneath there, we're going to read the whole psalm together. Because if you're familiar with Psalm 46, most of us know one half of one verse pretty well. Psalm 46, 10a. 
be still and know. Right? You see it on, on little posters. You might have bookmarks, right? So we have an entire psalm, but most of us know one half of one verse. And this morning, we're going to look through the entire psalm. And we're going to contextualize Psalm 4610a because I believe in the context of what's happening in the world, uh, God is going to minister to us through Psalm 46, the entire Psalm 46 this morning. So I'm going to read the whole themes, uh, the whole Psalm, Psalm 46, 1 through 11, and then we're going to come back and walk through it together. So it says this, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Saleh. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress, Saleh. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still. And know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Saleh. What's really interesting is many believe that this psalm was written written in response to an Assyrian invasion. Upwards of 200,000 Soldiers had come and were laying siege to Jerusalem. And that's the context in which this psalm is written. They had made their way through the country. They knew they were coming. And upwards of 200,000 soldiers were laying siege to Jerusalem. What they had feared probably, what they had Uh, been stressed about, worried about, fearful about, was now on their doorstep. And when you understand the historical context, right, and that story is in 2 Chronicles 32, 2 Kings 18 and 19, Isaiah 36 and 37, you see the story of the Assyrian army coming and the response of King Hezekiah and how they dealt with it, right? Right? And you read that, and you understand historical context, and suddenly this psalm isn't like uh, one of those just nice psalms. You know, oh, you know, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Isn't that neat? Right? Because sometimes in our culture, it's very sanitized because we're very comfortable. And so we read, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. We're like, gosh, that's just really cool. I like that one, right? I like that one. And yet when you understand that this was written by God's covenant people, surrounded by 200,000 plus soldiers, 
ready to wipe them off the face of the earth. Suddenly, refuge, strength, very present help takes on a real meaning. Right? A real meaning. Suddenly it's not fun and games. Suddenly it's not, you know, just take it or leave it. No, they're right there. What are we going to do, king? What's going to happen to us? You know? It was very real. And I just want to take a moment before we walk through this. um, And I I really didn't even know this was going to happen today like this. But I think of this psalm in light of us right now. If you're familiar with the world situation, you're at all familiar with COVID-19 and the coronavirus and what the government is saying and the preparations out there. It is here. It has made its way to the United States. And in this room and those listening online, uh, I'm pretty certain there is a variety and the full spectrum of responses to it based on your own personality, your own experiences, your own level of uh, education about the issue, um, all of that. To me, it's very similar to when the Thomas fire came through. There was a very diverse response even within this church family. Some evacuated, some decided to stay. That's each individual choice. That's you know, that's, that's individual. We respect and honor your particular choice. Now, we encourage you, as Bill said, to be good stewards, right? And as believers, first and foremost, you know, there's two, level, there's two main categories of preparation in these t- types of situations. There's the spiritual, and then there's the material. You can't ignore them. You can't ignore them. Now, here, we want you to be, first and foremost, spiritually prepared. Spiritually prepared. But we're also not going to bury our heads in the sand and say, oh, God will take care of it. Oh, it's a, we don't do that. God gave you a brain. He wants you to use it. God, I mean, God used Bill last Sunday in a very powerful way to speak about stewardship. Amen. Right. We are responsible. We are responsible. And so I share that with you because we acknowledge what's in the community. We acknowledge what's in the state. We acknowledge what's in the country. We acknowledge what's in the world that you, this is the world we live in. In fact, we are called to be salt and light. The, the great commission to make disciples still applies. So it's incumbent upon us to be spiritually prepared so that, here's the thing, you, not just me, but you, as followers of Jesus, can speak truth to a very fearful and anxious community. God might use you to bring biblical truth, something you'll hear today, to bring comfort and hope and someone to Jesus, right? In addition to being you being spiritually and materially prepared, your material preparation, you might just be able to be blessed to give someone an actual cup of water because you did what you needed to do, not just for you and your family, but for those around you to be salt and light again in a very tangible way in these situations, okay? So much like Psalm 46 it is, it is here. And the question is, what is going to be your response? What is going to be your response, right? Uh, I bring this up. I wasn't really going to go here just yet, and, and I'll share a little bit of background. Uh, this past week, 
I actually uh, reached out to the elders and I said, hey, guys, um, we need to meet. God just put something on my heart. Um, I didn't really say what it was, but I said, I need to talk to you. And so we met here Thursday, and what I needed to talk to them about was this very issue. God had put it on my heart. Um, I love this church dearly. I love you dearly. And it was inescapable all week, just day after day, seeking Lord. Okay, and he put it on my heart. I, uh, some things specific that we can do in our own preparation as a church, uh, not out of fear, but out of preparation. Okay, big distinction, big distinction. Because uh, I was aware, uh, you know, I, I, when these situations happened, the fire came through, and I was, I try to be very educated, and, and you have to be very careful. Again, I'm gonna, um, just be very careful what you listen to and what you don't out there, because there's a lot of people getting spun up. Okay. And so I'm, I'm just telling you, just be very wise and discerning, okay? So um, I'm like, okay, we need to meet. What are we going to do? Because what has happened, and, and again, this is not that I have any special information or anything like that, but I just know what has been happening in other communities. And in other communities around the world, you know, you know it gets to a certain point where the powers that be say there's no more large gatherings, including in many cities, churches can't gather out of precaution i understand that knowing that i'm like okay what does that mean for us should that happen again not alarmist but i this is where i think this is where i live this is my responsibility this is on me what are we going to do if that happens and so you know uh an aspect of that is right away that's why we finally you know we online giving we still got to keep the lights on. We still got things to do. There's a way to people to give, even if they're not physically here. We're not dependent on being physically here for checks and all that kind of stuff. That's one aspect of it. Uh, Tyler and Kim and the facilities team, they do an incredible job of keeping this place spotless. Amen. Let's give them a... Right? So just so you know, <laughs> Tyler went out and we got more of the disinfectant and all that kind of stuff this week. Uh, they do, if you didn't know, every week there's an incredible cleaning crew that comes through here and they wipe down every doorknob and everything that you might touch um, and I might touch. Uh, just out of an, it, it, even before this happened, this is what we do every Sunday, okay? That's stewardship of God's facility, that's stewardship. Um, but there's a weenus component to that. You know, if you're ill, you have permission to not be here for whatever reason, okay? Just out of... A, being being concerned for each other um but then there was this component of well okay if if it gets to the place um where you know we have to take a break on a few sundays and that's out of our control it's just like when the fire came through right are we going to meet there was a question do we keep the doors open on that one sunday you know and we did but this may be a situation where for again out of precaution and everything like that social distancing is the word now right um, they say, hey, you can't meet for however long. What are we going to do? Because the church is who? The people, right? So I'm like, okay. And we tend to think of that in terms of physical proximity, like right here, right? Or in Bible study or workshops. But what if none of that's possible? Just out of an abundance of caution. I get that. Uh, so here's what, you do. here's what we're doing. Here's what we've put in place. Here's where we're continuing to, uh, to, uh, to be proactive. We just want to stay ahead for your sake. Um, because we want you to stay connected. Now, this is where current technology, I love it. I love it. Uh, so in the event that we may not be able to physically gather, um, we've already started filming these uh, last Sunday. So the video, the sermons are going to be videoed. 
and up on the website starting this week. Um, should it come to the point where, you know, we can't gather on Sundays, either we're going to put a sermon up, up I'll, you know, I'll preach from my fireplace and uh, <laughs> an audience of my family. Lucky you. Right. Um, right. The classic, I'm going to look like this, but we're wearing sweatpants underneath because that's all you see. Right? Uh, but that's truth. We, we are committed to the word of God going out to you. Whether it's recorded, uh, there is the technology out there. It might just be a big webinar type of thing, webcam, and we can all click in and have a, a big web conference. We, we are, I'm already have an account with the web conferencing uh, company. Uh, what we are in the process of doing, I've already spoken to some, we are identifying hosts. We call them hosts for life, uh, what we call life groups. And we're going to have life groups. And if you so desire to be part of a life group online, web via web conferencing, uh, we're going to have a host. You give us your email and everything, they'll send it out. And by golly, you can show up with 10 people. And you can fellowship, you can pray, you can have a Bible study, and you can do life together online. You can see each other, you say hi, and it's a beautiful thing. Uh, It's just connecting in creative ways. Amen? It's just a way to stay connected to see how this unfolds. So there are options just for the sake of the church being together. So we have hosts. I talked to Tyler. We can do that with the youth. Have youth group online just for the kids to pop in and say hi, see Tyler, you know, see the leaders. Um, There's a lot of ways we can do it. Tuesday nights, you can do an online Tuesday night. That group can continue. You can do it. It's all there. Uh, We're going to walk through this together is my point. Okay, we're not going to be fearful, right? I love verse two. Therefore, we will not fear. Amen. Okay, so I just want you to know we are proactive. We are taking steps as a church family because we love you. We want you to stay connected to God and uh, his people through this. And we're just going to be a little creative uh, and just kind of ride this out together. Can we do that together? Okay, so that's where we are. I just wanted to really address that because I know uh, even this morning people were speaking to Tyler and asking questions. So if that helps you, I'm hoping, I'm hoping it, that's a help and, and not stir you up moment. But we just wanted to really help you. Um, so in Psalm 46, the Assyrian army comes and they're laying siege to Jerusalem. And in 2 Kings 19.35, ultimately God intervenes and an angel of the Lord goes out. And it says in one night, it says, in that night, the angel of the Lord went out and struck down 185,000 in the camp of the Assyrians. And when people arose early in the morning, behold, these were all dead bodies. Then Sennacherib, king of Assyria, departed and went home and lived at Nineveh. So God supernaturally intervenes. He hears King Hezekiah's prayer. God intervenes. 185,000 enemy soldiers are taken care of and the Assyrians go home. Right. That's what happens. But Psalm 46 walks us through the reality of being confronted with this overwhelming force. Psalm 46 walks us through the emotion of, this is big. This is overwhelming. This is beyond us. This is going to take God. That's what Psalm 46 walks us through, right? And so verses 1, 2, and 3 says this. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Saleh, right? 
Refuge is shelter from the storm, shelter from danger. It's trusting something, someone. Strength is personal might, power, right? And then it says that God is a very present. He's present, right? He's a present help in trouble. What is trouble? Distress, adversity, tribulation. Feeling like you're backed into a corner like the people in Jerusalem. I can't get out of this. I can't get out of this. You're backed into it, right? And then it says, therefore, we will not fear. Isn't that incredible, right? When we've, we shared with you before, whenever you see the, the, the word therefore in the Bible, you need to ask what it's therefore, right? Because therefore ties you right back into the immediately preceding context. So it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not Okay. There's some powerful truth in there. Because look at the word picture that follows fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. That's some global calamity. That is some global to the nth degree calamity, right? What is it saying? Earth gives way, mountains into the sea, waters roar and foam, mountains tremble. There's some big stuff happening on planet Earth. And in the midst of it all, we will not fear. Why will we not fear? Because as God's covenant people, He is our refuge, strength, and present. Now you understand why we got to seek and set our minds on things above. Because verse 2 and 3, it would be really easy to focus on global calamity. And I don't know about you. This is why you have to be very careful with how much you go down the watching the news and reading. Because as much as what it starts out is I got to be educated. If you're not careful, you begin to seek and set your minds on things below. You're constantly on the news feed. You're constantly clicking for the latest update and you're seeking the latest breaking news instead of the things above. You have to be very careful, okay? Right off the bat, the people surrounded by a couple hundred thousand Assyrians are choosing to focus on God and his character. In the midst of what's happening in our culture right now, you and I have the same choice. As God's covenant people under the new covenant through Jesus, we can claim the same truths. And we can exercise the same choice. Where are you going to put your focus? Because where you put your focus has everything to do with your fear factor. With your fear factor. Right? And then verse 3 ends with this word that most of us, I'm guessing, just skip. Right? Sele. What is that, right? <laughs> because if you don't know what it is, it's like, ah, next word. Right? Right? How many of you have skipped that word, honestly, in your Bible reading plan? You're like, ah, Salah, 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 Selah. I don't know. What is it? Ah, I don't know. Okay. So it's right there. It's pronounced Sele. Now, here's the thing. That is what they call a transliteration. Okay. In the Bible, most of, almost all of it is a translation. There's a Hebrew word. They translate it into the English, right? 
Sometimes when they don't exactly know what a word means, it's called a transliteration, where they spell it in a way that you and I can say it. And when we say it, it's actually how, they, how it's said, but there's no English equivalent, no match. So that word is what's called a transliteration. So it's sele. Now, what does it mean? Here's the crazy thing. There's a bit of a mystery there is no hard and fast definition of that word. Now, the Septuagint, which was the Greek translation of the Old Testament, uh, much of the agreed upon definition of that word has to do with it's in the Psalms 71 times. It's in the book of Habakkuk three times. What they can discern, what the scholars concern, uh, have discerned for the most part is that it, it's a musical term. It has to do with music. Okay. And so uh, what they've come to is a technical musical term, probably showing accentuation, pause, or interruption. So when you come to that in the Psalms 71 times, you go, Sele, you pause and you reflect on what you just, right? I, I told Vinny, it's like, uh, you know, let, let's say you're listening at a worship, uh, you're worshiping here or, or you're somewhere and they, you sing something. And what does the team do? They keep playing. What's, what's, the, what's that interlude designed for you to do? Reflect. Think. Pray. Sele. Right? So here's what we're going to do. Because how many of you have a hard time pausing, thinking, and reflecting in life? Anyone? Like you're sitting here right now, but you're racing. You're thinking about lunch. You're thinking about the rest of the today, right? Even though you're, you're physically here, right? How many of you have learned multiple, multiple tasking skills? You're, you're, you're like spinning plates all the time. So this idea of pause and reflect sounds really good, but you've got to fit that in down the road. Isn't that kind of crazy? And so we read a psalm. Uh, Eileen, go ahead and put up one, two, and three. We read these verses. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Sele. And so this morning, we're going to give you an opportunity, right now, to pause and reflect on that truth. Because you see, this week... Um, a whole lot of money was lost in the stock market. And if people had put their refuge and strength in their investments in 401k, their world is probably rocked. Right? Where do you put your refuge and strength? Global calamity, are you fearful? Uh, and I'm not saying that's wrong, but where's your focus been? Where are you going to deal with in the, you know, this thing is, this issue right now in the country, in the world, it changes every day. Now, that circumstance may change, but those truths in God's word won't change. Right? But if we don't sell it, you're going to get tossed to and fro by the latest breaking news. And so for just a few minutes, or just a few moments, maybe 30 seconds, we're going to sell it. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to just be honest and real with yourself and with the Lord. Where's your refuge? Where's your strength?
And if you've been scared this week, tell Father you've been scared. If you're scared sitting here for you and your family, tell Father you're scared. It's okay. That honesty is beautiful. Because that honesty may help you get freed of the bondage to the fear and actually refocus. Okay? There's no guilt, no shame, no condemnation to be fearful. This is real. This is humanity. This is 200,000 soldiers (laughs) surrounding the city. Okay? So we're going to have just a few moments here. Prayer, reflection, verse will stay up. Asele. Pause and reflect on the truth of this. Father, we pause to simply reaffirm our faith, our trust. You are our refuge. You are our strength. You are a very present help in trouble, not just in the big things that are happening, but down to our daily life, the things that we are facing individually. And Father, that verse 2, therefore we will not fear. Father, you know the level of our fear individually. And so, Father, there's nothing hidden. We just want to be honest with you. Yeah, it can be scary. We're confronted maybe, uh, uh, maybe for the first time with mortality, with finiteness, with things, something that, that's here and it seems so big and actually can kind of seem scary because of the images on TV or online. So, so Father, help us now. To seek and set our minds on things above, on you, wherever we are, in the best way we know how, we just reaffirm our faith and trust. As your children in new covenant with you, you are our refuge, you are our strength, you are here, present in this time. So we love you. You've not given us a spirit of fear. So supernaturally, Lord, give us, um, give us what we need individually and as a church. We love you so much. Amen. And then verse 4 through 7 says this. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage. The kingdoms totter. He utters his voice. The earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Sele. Right? 
Again, in context, the people who wrote this, where it says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. That is an incredible picture of God being the source of life, right? But what had happened, and, and, and those who lived this would have said, You know what? I think I know what that is. That's Hezekiah's tunnel. That's Hezekiah's tunnel. Because what happened was King Hezekiah prepared for what was coming. And the Assyrians were coming. And when you laid siege to a city, what did they want to do? Cut off the water supply. So what King Hezekiah did is he found a spring, Gihon. It was outside the city walls, right? What he did is he dug a tunnel 1,700 feet from the inside of the city to the spring. And then he covered the spring and he hid it so that the Assyrians wouldn't see it. And so the Assyrians lay siege to Jerusalem, but they have a source of water coming in. And that's what they're referring to here. And in fact, if you go to Israel, you can still go and walk in Hezekiah's tunnel. There's the entrance. You can walk. It's about knee deep. It's still there. It is an incredible testimony. If you want a testimony of preparedness, there you go. King Hezekiah did what he needed to do to prepare for the siege. And what was the most important thing? Water. They had water coming in. And so in Psalm 46, it says, God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. What's he saying? Hey, God is the source. Remember, Jesus says, I am living water. God is the source of our security. God is the source of our sustenance. That's what they're saying. It says, the nations rage, the kingdoms totter, he utters his voice, the earth melts, right? There's a, apparently, there's a lot of warfare and political stuff going on. The first couple of verses was global calamity. Here he's talking about nations rage, kingdoms totter. There's wars, there's thing, you know, rising fall of countries. And in the midst of it, what does it say in verse 7? The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. That word fortress is different than refuge. It meant a high tower. It's a, it's a place that's built up top, high in altitude. You can't get to it. You are safe and secure if you're in the fortress built on high. Right? That's what he's saying here. And then, what is the word again? Sele. He says, okay, don't race past this. Don't race past this. God's the source. You might have political turmoil. You might have nations rising up. There may be wars and all that. But in the midst of it, God, what does it say? God is with us. Hey, God is with us. He is our fortress. He is our fortress. Pause and think about that truth. How often do you and I, what we call practice the presence of God, how often do you live in the presence of God? The knowledge, right? I shared years ago, I used to have one of those uh, watches that chimed, right? I used to set the chime. And every hour it would go off. And the reason I had to go off every hour, because when they went off, I would catch myself, whatever I was doing, and I'd say, Lord, am I thinking of you? Am I living in the presence of you? For the last hour, Lord, have I been living in your presence? 
It was an hourly check for me to learn and teach myself to live in the presence of God throughout the day. Because I don't know about you, I was in this habit a while ago of saying a quick prayer to God and say, I'll see you tonight. Right? Quiet time, devotions in the morning. Okay, now I got to go take care of my business. God, just kind of watch over me in the general sense. I'll see you tonight and we'll catch up. No. The Lord of hosts is with us. He is our fortress. Here's the crazy thing. That fortress goes with you wherever you go. You can live in the presence of God. You can practice the presence of God. You can live in the safety and security of him being your fortress wherever you are. That's that peace that surpasses all understanding is living in these truths, right? So again, he says, sele. So again, we're going to sele right now. But I want you to ask yourself, what would it truly do to your life if you lived in the presence of God? If you practiced the presence of God and the knowledge that he is our fortress, how would that change your life. Amen? Let's pray. Father, thank you for the example of King Hezekiah and his preparation in creating that tunnel so that his people would have water during the siege. And, and yet it was all designed to point us to you as the source of our living water, you, Jesus. You are the source. You are truly our sufficiency. You truly do provide everything we need. And Father, help us to live in the practice of your presence in the knowledge that you are our fortress, not our bank accounts, not our own abilities, not our own health, none of it. You are our fortress. We find our absolute security in you. In you. Thank you for that. Thank you. Amen. And then verse 8 and 9 The writer kind of says, hey, look, look at what God's done. He says, come behold. That means contemplate. Come behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. He says, hey, okay, if all this wasn't enough, now I'm going to give you a list of how incredibly powerful our God is. And so he gives this list, right? And then at the end of this list, kind of the crescendo of this, because up until this point, the psalm has been kind of in third person. It's someone describing God, someone making statements about covenant truth, right? But in verse 10, God himself shows up. 
God himself, there is a radical, don't miss this, right? There's been a lot of truths. Hey, God is this, God is this. We're not going to be scared. He's a hurt. And suddenly, verse 10, he himself shows up. And this may help some of you change how you have viewed this verse, right? God shows up and says, hey, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Now, most of the time when you hear that and you see it on a bumper sticker or something, it's like, you know, a picture of a, of a lake and it's like seen as very quiet and contemplative, right? Right? Actually, that word be still means cease striving. It's actually a very powerful word. It's like as if you had your hands up and all, you're stressed out. That's, that be still means put your hands down, relax. Some person said, chill out. He's like, hey, be still. It's very similar when Jesus said this to the waves. Remember that in the New Testament? He says, peace, be still. And the waves went, doop. He's telling his covenant people who might be riled up because of circumstance. Some of you this morning, some of you listening, you might be riled up right now. You're striving you're striving to, oh, what are we going to do? Oh, oh, this is scary. Oh, oh you're, you're like this. When he says be still, he's like cease striving. Put your hands down to your side. Relax. I am God. Whew. See? He shows up himself to kind of put an exclamation point on what's happening to his covenant people who are being surrounded by 200,000 soldiers. It says, be still. I got this. Amen? Right? How many of you ever, as a parent, how many of you, your kids are going at it and you had enough and you're like, hush! Anyone? You ever had that hush moment when your kids are like, Right? When I was younger, I was in um, junior high, high school, I used to get into it with my older sister. For whatever reason, we just didn't get along very well. And so one day we got into it, and I didn't know my dad was home. I learned, don't get into it when dad's home on that day. Because suddenly, I hear his door open, and he comes out. And I'm not sure exactly what he said. I don't think he you know, said anything bad, but he let it be known. That that was enough. And then he walked back to his room. And everything went. Except for the fact that I told you. I told you. It's your fault. You got dad mad. Right? In many ways, this is God himself coming to his covenant people. And firmly saying, cease your striving. Be still. Put your hands down at your side. I am God. I am God. Right? And for some of us this morning are listening, wherever you are with this issue, wherever you are with your finances, wherever you are relation, whatever is going on, maybe today is your, hey, be still. Cease striving. Your internal, your Quit thinking it. Your anxiety, right? Cease striving. Be still. Be still. I am God. 
And here's the crazy thing. When he says that, that's not generic God. That's your father. That's your father through the new covenant. (laughs) Okay. Note to self and all of us selves. Our father has got this. Father's got this. That's biblical truth. Father's got this. So as new covenant people, as his children, right? In Matthew 6, he says, hey, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Where do you say? Your father in heaven knows what you need. He knows and he's more than able. Okay? And so he concludes, verse, look at verse 11. This concludes, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Sell it. Again, he says, don't miss this. Pause. Take a deep breath. Be still. And maybe, Vinny, you can come on up. Maybe in this song that we're going to sing, which is really based off of this song. Honestly, it's a be still moment. And I'm not just focusing on, on you know, COVID-19. That's Because there may be something in your life right now that's actually more pressing and more scary and more worrisome and more a cause of anxiety than COVID-19. I understand that. So we're not here to stir you up. And what we're trying to do is whatever issue you're facing, we have to learn and discipline ourselves to seek and set our minds on things above. We need to learn from our brothers and sisters in the covenant relationship that, you know what, they were surrounded by 200,000 soldiers who wanted to wipe them off the face of the earth. And God, that same God, our Father, took care of them. Psalm 46, I encourage you, it can be a great, don't just memorize 4610a. Go back and maybe some of you memorize the whole thing. Maybe you say, well, I don't know what to read every day. Psalm 46 would probably be a good psalm. Right? It's real. It's present tense. And so our final sele moment is through this song. Give you a chance. If you know it, you can sing it. If you have been striving, just internally wound up, maybe in this song, it's your be still moment. Maybe instead of this, you do this. Maybe this song is a song of release and surrender to God is our refuge, our strength, our fortress. If you have never put your faith in Jesus, my heart for you is that first and foremost, you would be spiritually prepared. Not just for what might happen with this disease, but spiritually prepared for anything that might happen. And ultimately for eternity. The Bible says we're saved by grace through faith. Put your faith in Jesus. Be spiritually prepared. That's the great. We can all be spiritually prepared. Through faith in Jesus, entering a new covenant, we claim all the same promises as Psalm 4610, right? He will never leave us nor forsake us. He says in Hebrews, he who did not give us Jesus, how would he not give us everything, right? He who gave us Jesus, how would he also not give us everything? Romans 8, right? Romans 8, all things work for the good. You hear all the promises that come as a child of God, amen? 
You see, he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Through faith in Jesus, we are the spiritual preppers. If you got a prepper list and you know Jesus, check that off. (laughs) So be spiritually prepared. Not just this, but for everything in your life. And I want to just a note to the parents who might be here or listening. This is an incredible opportunity, mom and dad, to walk your kids through this as believers. Walk them through it. Grandma, grandpa, uncles, aunts, have the discussions. But as believers, point them to God. As believers, believers, speak truth out in the community. And people say, how are you dealing with this? Well, Psalm 46, can I share it with you? You see what I'm saying? This is an incredible opportunity. But first and foremost, be spiritually prepared. Know Jesus. Know Jesus. That's our heart for you. So we'll sing this song. If you do know Jesus, but for whatever reason, you've kind of been riled up, be still. Be still. If there are specific concerns, maybe you're, uh, talk to Father right now. Bring your concerns to him. He loves you. Cast your cares on him for he cares for you. Go ahead. Just bring your concerns. Even about this. Bring it to him. It's fine. And then surround yourself with brothers and sisters who can pray for you and encourage you as well. Okay. So, Father, thank you. We hear incredible truths through nine verses. And then, Father, you show up. And you lovingly, assertively say to us, hey, be still, cease striving, relax, I got this. So as we sing this song, Father, we reaffirm. You are our refuge, you are our strength, you are very present help in trouble, you are our fortress. You got this. And we are so blessed to be your children. And for those of you who have not put your faith in Jesus, even now, during the song, just say, Jesus, in the best way I know how, I'm trusting you. I'm putting my faith in you as my Savior, my Lord. I'm not trying to earn it. I'm receiving the gift of salvation by faith in you, Jesus, and you alone. So we give this sele moment to you, Father, as we sing.